Welcome to the Send Talk podcast, your easy to understand guide to some of the most common queries we get asked when it comes to special educational needs and disabilities, or SEND. I'm your host, Vic Elizabeth Turnbull, and together with Sendias Manchester, the city's information, advice and support service for SEND, we'll empower you to make informed decisions for you or your child. You'll hear from the Sendias Manchester team, and they'll join me online for a chat. Now, on to the episode. In this episode, we're talking annual reviews, and I'm joined by Margaret Lee Chapman. Margaret, what's your role at Sendias Manchester? Hello, Vic. My role, I manage the Sendias team, which is quite a very small team. Um, There's only at the moment three of us covering the whole of the city of Manchester, so the north, the south and the central. Managing the work we do, you can never be bored, put it that way. We do so many different things, so it's exciting, it's very challenging and you are always, every day, you learn something new. What's the newest thing that you've learnt? That there's such a thing as a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We've got really far, you're on here with me now, so well done. So who is this episode useful for? We looked at what were our top four issues that we tend to get the most calls about and one of them we've realised was a great misunderstanding about what the annual review process is actually about for those families whose child or young person has an education and healthcare plan. Shall we call it the EHCP? Yeah, that would make life a lot easier. So the Education, Health and Care Plan, the EHCP. And when we talk about, we'll be talking about LAs in a bit as well. So the LA, when we talk about that, is the local authority, isn't it? Yes, it is. Can you explain to us, in a straightforward way, what is EHCP in relation to an annual review? An education, health and care plan is normally for a child who's or a young person who's been assessed, who has additional needs over and above what you would expect for a child of that age and they need additional support in lots of different ways. They have an assessment that may or may not result in an education, health and care plan, but that would be then for the school or the college or the nursery or the education setting where the young person is to receive additional support and that can come in many forms. This education, health and care plan is a legal document and it has to be reviewed every year, 12 months from when it was first issued. So the annual review is looking at the plan. Is it working? Are there parts that need changing? Is it okay as it stands? Does it need to be altered? The extra additional needs that have come to light since it was issued that need to be put into the plan. Another reason for maybe a possible change to an EHCP can be because the child may be in a mainstream school The needs have become um, so much higher that a a mainstream school is not the best place for them and they may need to be in a specialist school. So again, that would have to be altered in the plan, section I, which is placement, um, because whatever's named as the place in the plan is where that child has to be, unless parents object, in which case it's a tribunal. So it's not just going to a meeting and everything's tickety-boo. It's looking in detail at that plan 
and that comes under the Section 44 of the Children and Families Act. And I think many parents don't realise it is a legal document uh, and it carries an awful lot of weight. So let's delve a little bit deeper then. Are there any further specific circumstances where plans must be reviewed? Yeah, we've already mentioned that this plan, the date it's issued, has to be reviewed within 12 months of when it was issued. But there are some sort of um, exceptions to that. And that's definitely where a child, young person is changing their phase of education. So, example, they're going from nursery to reception, they're moving from primary to secondary, age 11, or they're going from secondary to post-16, you know, say to college then the LEA has to review that plan for those specific children. And there are specific dates for that as well. So from a young person going to secondary school to post-16, it has to be looked at and amended or changed or not changed by the 31st of March in the year of the transfer or in other dates, the 15th of February. So that would be for the primary to secondary or for the nursery into reception. Otherwise, throughout the year, it would be at one year annual review date from when it was published. So if it was a year three or a year nine child, that would be at their one year annual date. Those two dates are set in stone. Again, they are legal dates, but obviously sometimes dates can sort of, you know, extend slightly if the possibly the parents waiting for a report to come in. But those are set dates when those children in those year groups should have been reviewed and the plan completed, changed, altered, or in some cases maybe ceased. The other time as well, there are some other relevant dates. And this is where it's proposed that a young person goes from one post-16 to another post-16 establishment. So again, the LEA must review and amend the plan at least five months before that transfer takes place. In the legal documents, the EHCP, it does have to name, when it's a final, it does have to name where that child's placement will be. And that, again, is the law. So there's a lot of forward planning that goes on. A lot of forward planning, yeah, both for the local authority and for the parents as well. And again, it's how quickly does a year pass? Sometimes it goes so fast. And again, things can happen during that year. The child could have been ill. Obviously, COVID happened and that put things very much on the back burner in terms of the annual reviews. So some children, Mm. not that they could have been missed, but obviously it was very difficult to do annual reviews during that two-year period of COVID. So for the local authority, there's a lot of catching up. And for some parents... Many did have their annual reviews. They became remote as opposed to sitting around a table, which is what they used to be. And many of them now have gone back to the face-to-face. So it's like a mix and match. Some of them can still be online. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are there any rules about annual reviews when it comes to early years? Yeah, for early years, it's slightly different. Um, The local authorities should consider reviewing the plan for a child under five at least every three to six months to ensure that the provision, that's the setting where they are, is appropriate. Because again, for younger children, they're developing very, you know, much quicker than say it, than they would when they're older. And these in between, shall we say, reviews are in addition to the annual review. 
So they don't quite have the same requirements regarding invitations and advice, uh, which we'll come to later about what the process of an annual review is. Mm. It's not just a meeting, it's the preparation and it's what happens after. So for early years, it's slightly different. So there can be more meetings, but those can be just a meeting, not the whole process each time, because otherwise they would never, and nobody would have the time to do them. And it would be inappropriate, especially the speed that the little children learn at. Mm. However, child's parents should be at all stages fully consulted on any proposed changes and made aware of their right to appeal to the tribunal. But obviously, we're not planning at this stage to go to tribunals. If everything can be resolved between the local authority, the parents, the education establishment, how nice that would be for everybody. But obviously, if changes are made, parents do need to be you know, fully conversant with what these changes are and in agreement. Again, the parent young person only gets the right of appeal if it is an annual review. So if there are meetings during the year to look at the plan, just general meetings, that does not give parents the right of appeal, only at the annual review. Again, if an early review takes place, it will only lead to the right of appeal if the parties agree that that meeting is an annual review. And we do find that many parents don't realise they've actually had an annual review. They've been to a meeting, but because they go to so many, they just class them as meetings. How can a parent be sure that it's an annual review? They should have an invite two weeks before. They should be fully aware of who will be attending that meeting. They should be fully aware and have received any reports beforehand. They shouldn't be receiving them on the day of the meeting. So what should the review focus on? The review has to focus on, hopefully, we're talking now, they've got a plan. This is additional support. So in terms of progress, it's how has that child achieved the outcomes that were mentioned in the plan that they set out. The review has to consider the views, the wishes and feelings of the child, young person and the parents. Um, And this is where you should be able to see in a plan that progress has been made. Now, it doesn't mean to say that everything that was listed for progress has been achieved necessarily, but there should be progress in quite a few aspects that are on that plan. The plan can be altered. Mm -hmm. So you might want to put some additional targets in that weren't relevant a year ago. But again, it's looking at progress. And again, schools should be feeding into parents and parents as well. Looking at, and again, we'll talk about this later, the actual sections in the EHCP plan and which sections should be the major focus of where the child has progressed and that's the outcomes. Just before then you mentioned an early review. What is an early review? Usually an early review that's outside of the normal annual review normally would happen if there was a review, an emergency review called because the plan wasn't working or the young person was at risk of exclusion and it would be trying to, you know, you're not going to wait six months to the next annual review if there's a breakdown or the child's not accessing education or there's been other issues. More likely, rather than calling it an early review, it'd be more likely to be called an emergency review. Not many of those. 
but they are sometimes these things do happen um so parents do not have to wait and say well you know we, we had the last one six months ago we're not due one for six months but our young person's on the verge of an exclusion or a breakdown the process should be the same but in an emergency it's an emergency that's the whole idea so you wouldn't be necessarily following the same process where you're doing the two weeks before and obviously things can suddenly happen you wouldn't say well we can't do it till we've done this this and this you'd want to get that meeting in straight away get as many people there as possible and see what you know solutions everybody can come up with to support the young person when should you ask for an early review if you believe that the child or the young person's plan has changed or is no longer accurately describing what their needs are or that the provision in the plan is no longer meeting that child's needs, because again, children's needs can change. As previously mentioned, if the child or young person has been excluded from school or is on the risk of being excluded, this is an excellent reason for asking for an early review. Is there a right to appeal against the local authority who refuse to carry out an early review? There isn't a right of appeal against this because normally if you're going to appeal, this would be about the contents of the plan, not about the fact the local authority can refuse to carry out a review. So for parents, there are some options here. They can wait until the next annual review. They can gather further evidence to support that the child's got needs have changed, etc. Or maybe some reports that weren't available when the plan was first issued have now you know been made and can be included uh, or if appropriate they can request a reassessment of the child because sometimes reports are written about a child that some of these reports whether it could be occupational therapy could be speech and language can be out of date because the child's needs have changed so much so a reassessment of that child may be needed so it could be more up-to-date reports. So the reports that were used to write the original plan are no longer, I wouldn't say valid, mm. but no longer reflect the child where they are now and need to be updated. What is the purpose of the meeting? The annual review meeting is to review the EHCP. So this helps to bring together all those different services that are involved in helping to achieve those outcomes in the plan whoever's needed, who works with the child. It also helps to gather all the, consider all the information that's out there regarding the child to look at the support for their future progress. And also it's to review the effectiveness of the special educational health and social care provision that's being made for that child. And it's also to consider whether any changes need to be made to the plan, including any medium or long-term outcomes. And also to consider whether the education, health and care plan should continue um, because there are some cases where it needs to be ceased. But that tends to be very much so uh, in the post 16 where that young person maybe has gone into employment and no longer needs a plan. What should a parent or a young person be considering when they are asked for their report? Again, this is, should be part of the review meeting where in advance parents are preparing themselves and their child young person for what information is required at this meeting. So this can include the parent's view and the child's view of what do they think the progress has been over the past year. It can be raising any concerns from the parent to young person. 
It can be considering, you know, if they're considering post-16, moving on after they've finished their um, education, where they would like to be. It can be also thinking about their needs, how they've changed over the year. And again, what are their views? And we tend to stress this to parents ask the young person for their views. Again, it's age appropriate, whether you know, it's a young four-year-old, it's a bit different to the response you might get if it was a 15-year-old. But to ask them what has been the year for them, how have they felt, what they feel they've achieved themselves, what they would like to achieve in the future, what maybe hasn't gone so well for them and how that could be changed if they're still continuing on their education journey. So you've mentioned getting the young person's or child's views. How else can they be involved? Again, it's age appropriate, but there's nothing to stop that young person being present at the annual review if they so wish to be. Um, So their views, again, get considered. So many young people just say, my mum or my dad will do it for me. But I always say to parents, actually ask them, ask them to write it down and bring it to the review meeting with you. Uh, If a young person's not verbal or doesn't want to write it down, they can record themselves. It could be a video. It could be a drawing. So at least their opinion is brought to that meeting as well. But obviously, as they get older, sometimes we have parents and young people whose views are not quite the same. Mm. So a parent definitely wants them to go to university. A young person wants to go and get an apprenticeship. Um, Obviously, from the age of 16, it's their views that count. And we have to take that into consideration when we work with them. We have to go with what the young person says. But again, this is their chance to have their input to the reviews. And the written report, shall we say, from this review needs to be able to capture the voice of that young person. So let's talk about organising the meeting. Who's responsible for that? The responsibility is with the school to organise it and the head teacher will probably delegate it to um, usually the SENCO that does this. So they do all the uh, pre-administration, shall we say. What's the SENCO? The SENCO is the special education needs uh, coordinator designated in the school. So it's a person who's qualified in SEN or has had the training to be the designated person and they're responsible um, for ensuring the SEND register in the school, for organising the annual reviews, for liaising with the local authority, liaising, keeping in touch with parents and keeping them up to date. So normally the meeting that the parents go to shouldn't come as a shock to them because if there's issues throughout the year, you, you would expect the SENCO is keeping them up to date or the class teacher, you know, with how that young person's getting on. So that's why I'm saying the annual review should be what progress has been made. It shouldn't be about, well, you know, it's not happened this year. They've not done anything. Work hasn't been done. Ongoing dialogue is absolutely crucial and communication with parents. So this is like the more formal aspects of that. Mm. And this is recorded. We touched upon this a little bit before, but what happens before the meeting then? There were two weeks. Parents should get at least two weeks notice. And again, this meeting should be a, a time, hopefully, that's convenient for them to attend Mm. you'd expect (laughs) it's to invite other people giving them as well so busy services to give them plenty of notice as well to actually produce their report if it's short notice that they can't get there or that they're booked at that time copies of all the written reports as well should be sent to those attending the meeting at least two weeks beforehand 
anybody else that wants to be invited. And again, a parent can bring a friend with them if they so wish. For some parents, it'd be quite daunting to go into a room with quite a lot of professionals there. And the parent might want to invite somebody there as well. Now, that could be, for example, if the parent has had a private report done, they might want that professional that they've paid to actually attend the meeting, and that's their right to do so. The class teacher uh, or form tutor, the SENCO special educational needs coordinator, or it could be a teaching assistant or a key worker that's worked throughout the year with that young person as well. A representative from the local authority, um, and that representative will be their EHCP coordinator for their school. Um, But we do have to say, if it's a straightforward annual review, local authority don't always attend because they have so many reviews to carry out. Mm. But obviously, if the parent had any concerns about the meeting, they could ask if they could attend or maybe the local authority could send a different representative. Maybe somebody from health there, health representative, but obviously if only if the young person's got health issues, possibly a social care representative as well. Not everybody that could be there needs to be there. It's who's working with that young person. And again, the head teacher may wish to ask for somebody else who's appropriate. Not everybody can be there because of timetables and diaries, but at least they should whoever's worked with that child should send a report that's available to the parent beforehand. So again, getting reports on the day doesn't give you a chance to have a good read of them and think about the contents and any questions you may wish to ask. Mm. And we do stress to parents about preparation beforehand. What actually happens at the review meeting then? So the review meeting is there to focus on the progress that the young person, the child has made towards achieving the outcome set out in the plan and the plan needs to see if those needs have been met or if some of those needs haven't been met and what can be done about it so it's literally based on what the last review if there has been the last review actually looked at or if this is a first review it's how the young person has achieved what's been in the plan that again would be the section f of the plan And that's the part we ask parents to focus on specifically. It's important for the over 18s as well, because as we've said before, the plan possibly may need to cease. But again, any further action and who's going to do it and whether the plan needs amending is no longer needed. Has the young person possibly achieved everything Mm. in the plan as well? And new targets need to be set. It's an agreement because the family, the young person or the parent might not agree And they need to make it very clear what's in the plan that hasn't happened for the young person. It's also the opportunity for the family if they wish to review or request a personal budget. And this can only be done at an annual review. Oh, interesting. And from year nine onwards, it's looking at the preparation for adulthood and possibly, depending on the young person's needs, whether they're going to be looking at independent living and how this is going to work. I think it's important because from year nine onwards, the review must consider what is required to assist preparing for adulthood and independent living. Although ideally, you shouldn't need to wait for year nine for this to happen. It's something that you're possibly preparing throughout your life. The annual review for the year nines onwards needs to be specifically looking at support preparation if they're going into higher education and or employment Um, how to support them maintaining good health in adult life 
including this planning from transition from children's services over to adult services. It needs to, again, look at supporting them to participate in society. Now, that can be friendships, that can be hobbies, that could be mobility issues. Possibly they might need transport support. It would also need to include the young person's aspirations for where they see their future life and what type of things, you know, maybe aspirations, employment, college, university, um, apprenticeships, whatever it is they want to look at for, you know, for life. It also needs to look at 16 to 18 year olds who possibly are not in education or training. And that's classed as NEETS not in education and training. And the local authority must review the plan to amend it to ensure that the young person actually has got a plan for education Mm -hmm. and ensure they've got something to do with the life. And for over 18s, again, it's looking at whether education and training outcomes have been achieved. What would happen then if, say, a young person stops attending college? If the young person decides to stop attending college, which some of them do, the local authority cannot cease that plan unless they've checked with the young person that they do not want to go back into education or training. And if they do wish to return or do something else, then the local authority has to amend the plan to help them to do so. Let's talk after the meeting. What happens next? Well, within two weeks of the, the review meeting um, and somebody at that review meeting, normally it's a SENCO, but it could be designated to somebody else, We'll write the minutes of that meeting and what's been discussed and particularly the end of the meeting, what has been agreed. And that's the important part. So the discussions can be quite lengthy and wordy, but it's what are the outcomes of that meeting and the agreement. So within two weeks of that review meeting, the school has to prepare that report and send it to the local authority and also send a copy to everyone who was invited to the meeting, not necessarily just those who came. So everyone who's working with that young person or child is aware of what was agreed. The minutes or the report has to set out the recommendations on any amendments or changes required to the plan and should also refer to any differences between what the school's recommendations were And if those attending the meeting had some different recommendations, those should all be included in this report sent to the local authority. So disagreements can be noted there as well. The right of appeal can only happen if any of one of those decisions is made or notified. And then within four weeks of the meeting, the local authority has to let the family know what their decision is going to be whether they're going to keep the plan as it is, whether they're going to make any amendments to it or whether they're going to cease the plan altogether and parents should receive a letter with one of those decisions. doesn't mean at that point they're going to receive, if the plan was changed, any changes to it at that point. So how is the parent or young person notified of the decision? The local authority will send out a letter, should send out a letter which has to state the right to appeal, the parents are not happy with the outcome, the requirements to consider then parents need to be told if they wish to appeal, they have to consider mediation and that should come out again, telling them how to do that and to contact us to give them further advice and support about how to do this. And we will provide your contact details at the end of this podcast episode. So Margaret, what if the parent or young person 
wants a complete reassessment. Are there any rules regarding that? There are, and provided that an assessment has not been undertaken within the previous six months and the local authority considers it is necessary, then they must carry out a reassessment of the education, health and social care needs of the young person for whom they've already got a plan. If a request is made to it by the parents, the school that the child attends or the post-16 or by the responsible clinical commissioning group as well, and that's usually health or social care. The local authority can also secure a reassessment of needs if they think it's necessary. And again, local authority must notify the child's parents, young person, whether or not it is necessary to reassess them within 15 days of receiving the request to reassess. If the local authority does not consider it necessary, they have to notify the family of the right of appeal, um, the information, again, regarding mediation and our service. So what happens if the local authority decides to amend an EHC plan without review or without a reassessment? At any time, if a local authority proposes to amend the plan, it's going to do this as though there had been a review with the parents or young people. So again, this would give the parents, young people, even though they weren't there, they didn't have a review or reassessment, the same rights of appeal and entitlement to receive notification of this. Usually a letter, could be an email. So just to be clear, a review is much more than just a meeting at the educational institution, whether that be a school or a college. Yes, that's right, Vic. So many people believe the meeting is the annual review where people attend but I hope that it's been explained that the review includes all the preparation beforehand both for all the services and for the family and it's not concluded it doesn't finish the process until the parent receives the local authority letter and the decision which can be appealed. Margaret what are some of the common myths you hear about this annual review process? The main common myth is that the meeting is the annual review process. And this is where parents get very confused because they go to, you know, some of them go to quite a few meetings at school within the year. So aren't clear that they've actually had an annual review because a meeting is a meeting, isn't it? We've all been to them. Mm. But this is a specific meeting that is linked to that plan. And parents should be absolutely aware that it is an annual review. They should get the paperwork afterwards updated plan so it's keeping them up to date so it's again it comes back to good communication many parents are unclear about what they can do to prepare for this meeting themselves Uh, and this is where Sendias our service can help to specify what parts of the plan they should be particularly looking at and asking questions about so we can also do prompt questions for parents who possibly going to an annual review might be daunting, especially if it's the first one. Or maybe they've been to many meetings and were unclear about the sorts of things they can ask for, you know, what their rights are about the qualifications or whoever's supporting their young person. So there's lots of different things that come from it. Preparation, again, Sendias always say this, is crucial. So the views of the young person are made very clear. The queries, there's nothing worse than coming out of a meeting and thinking, I wish I'd asked that or I wasn't clear about that and I didn't ask. 
So we do do a preparation for meetings, fact sheets for parents as well, and all the things that they can do to prepare in advance. Another common myth is that um, the EHCP plan is not quite the same as the school reports. It's a legal document and there is um, a lots of assessments have gone into it. Lots of professionals have given their reports, parents' views, young persons' views. I always say to a parent, read the plan, read section B in particular. And when you've read it, you think that is absolutely my child. I have to see that it's my child there on section B because that's what their needs are. And if there's any points that a parent was thinking, that's not fully reflective of what my child's like, or maybe there's some inaccuracies that are in the plan, parents, you get in touch with your EHCP coordinator and let them know this, because sometimes things can be out of date. Reports from other professionals might mention something that possibly the parent might not want to be included in the plan. So again, for parents, keep in touch with your EHCP coordinator. Um, obviously, not every day, getting on the phone to them <laughs> saying, change that, change that. Look at the whole thing. Consider anything you're not happy with and get in touch with them because they can you know, take that bit out, whatever, with agreement. Because that's the main thing with agreement, which is a lot more detailed or whether it's just a basic meeting with school, the SENCO or the parents' evening or with the class teacher. So, Margaret, what are the suggested next steps for our listener? We always say to parents, in terms of annual reviews, don't wait until an annual review. Be looking at the plan, talking to the young person about how they're getting on with it, attending, um, whether it's virtual or face-to-face now, those parent evenings where there's a catch-up as well, So, again, you're not waiting for an annual review to tell you anything you didn't already know. This comes back again to keeping good communication with the school, both directions, school and parents, keeping parents up to date. But parents, you know, as you go along, asking questions as well. You know, how are they getting on? How's the plan? Just general questions as well. It does alleviate a lot of issues then that might be raised at the annual review, which possibly could have been resolved throughout the year. You've explained this so simply, and I understand the process a lot more now as well. So thank you very much for spending some time with me for this episode of the Sunday Ask Manchester podcast. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to this Send Talks podcast episode. For more detailed information about the topics we discussed in this episode, we have a range of fact sheets that you can download from the Sunday Ask Manchester website. Simply head to sendiasmanchester.org.uk. That's S E N D I S S Manchester.org.uk. If you still have questions about your child or yourself, you can contact the Sendias Manchester helpline. Just leave your name and number on the answer machine, and we'll phone you back, usually on the same day, to listen to your queries and then offer you advice. And that number for the Sendias Manchester helpline is 0161 209 8356. That's 0161 209 8356. Or you can email the parents inbox. That email address is parents at manchester.gov.uk. 
That's parents at manchester.gov.uk. Another great resource is the Independent Provider of Special Education Advice. They're also known as IPSEA, I-P-S-E-A. They have guides, a helpline and lots more. Just head to their website. That's ipsy.org.uk. I-P-S-E-A And all those details are in the show notes for this episode. The big thing to remember is that you are not alone on this journey. So please do share this episode with the people, parents and carers who you think will find it useful. A big thank you to everyone who's contributed their stories and expertise to this episode. 